Chapter 2. Living the Half-Life. Commences with a quote by Mick Jagger. I'd rather be dead than singing Satisfaction when I'm 45. Skipping stones is a much-loved amusement the world over. It seems that every language has a term to describe it. In England, it's often called ducks and drakes. In France, it is ricochets. In Ireland, stone skiffing. And in Denmark, smutting. Eskimos do it on ice. Bedouins do it on sand. It's just a whole lot of innocent fun. However, behind the fun of it all, skipping stones operate under a very specific set of physical laws. Researchers have found that, on average, each skip is about 80% of the length of the previous one. Finally, after the skip lengths reduced by 80% of 80% of 80%, which seems like it should go on forever, the forward velocity diminishes to a point where it is no longer sufficient to hold the weight of the stone above the water surface, and down it goes. By the way, a guy named Russ Rockbottom Briars currently holds the world record with 51 skips. If you want to know just how cool that is, get your very best skipper and head down to the local pond. There's a vaguely similar law that is argued at length by creationists and evolutionists and is referred to as the half-life. It's the period of time that it takes for a decaying substance to decrease by half. For example, if you had a 10 kilogram, that's about a 20 pound block of ice, in your hot little hands, and one hour later it had melted down to a mass of only 5 kilograms, or about 10 pounds, half its starting weight, then that original block of ice had a half-life of one hour. And if you don't drop it soon, you'll get frostbite. Nuclear physicists talk about the half-life of carbon, and they use it as a tool for trying to ascertain how many years have passed since an organism died. To quote an unknown source, Every time a living being dies, a stopwatch starts ticking. Death starts the stopwatch. Science can read it. There are significant arguments both for and against the accuracy of this type of dating, but that's not my forte, so I'll leave it alone. However, the concept does raise a fascinating question. Could it be that satisfaction also has a half-life? If it did, It would be the time required for half of the enjoyment and satisfaction in a single purchase, achievement or activity to decay. In light of the rampant levels of dissatisfaction that many people feel today, this is worth studying. Let's start by listing some of the things that we use to try to satisfy ourselves. Purchases. Clothes, cars, boats, houses, farms, businesses. Achievements. Titles, degrees. Praise, popularity, fame, respect, profit or income goals. Activities. Vacations, movies, sports, careers, exercise. We all know that purchases, achievements and activities were never designed to satisfy completely and forever. Feelings of satisfaction will decay with time. If the satisfaction didn't decay, we would only ever need to go on one vacation, receive one word of praise and buy one nice suit, and the ladies would feel eternally fulfilled after buying just one pair of shoes. To add to the speed of decay, we live in a throwaway society, where items which used to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime or a -a once-in-a-decade purchase are unlikely to last even a few years before being tossed and upgraded. A man's first car 
as run-down and modest as it may be, gives him a sense of pride and satisfaction that lasts for years, but then it wears off. His income increases and so does his desire to be satisfied with a nicer, newer car. So he goes ahead and buys one, and he is satisfied, for a time, though not for as many years as the satisfaction of his first car purchase. Should his income explode, he may ultimately own a stable of shining Ferraris, Lamborghinis and Maseratis, but he still yearns for more. And here's the clincher. If he now goes out and buys a multi-million dollar Bugatti Veyron, the satisfaction it brings him will probably only last a few months or less. Much less than the satisfaction he got from his first humble set of wheels. The half-life has taken its toll, and like a skipping stone, he is about ready to sink to the bottom, even though he appears to be right on the top. So, yes, satisfaction does have a half-life, and I've proven it myself time and time again. As King Solomon said millennia ago, nothing lasts. It's a problem as old as time. Even the prophet Isaiah knew about it when he said in Isaiah 55 verse 2, Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? The Rolling Stones, as rich and famous as they are, had it right when they sang, I can't get no satisfaction. As the song progresses, they sing with greater and greater urgency and more and more desperate repetition. Like many of us, they try and try and try and try, but without success. It's an age-old mystery of human existence that the harder we try to find satisfaction in our work, our accomplishments, our experiences and our stuff, the more it eludes us. It all begs a serious question, which I would love to ask the guys in person. Are the stones really rolling or just skipping? What about you?